Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to The Big Cruise Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 134 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm your host, and it's with great pleasure we bring you uh, this week's episode. And of course, a huge apology for the fact that we didn't bring you an episode last weekend. Uh, my schedule changed last minute in Sydney and... Uh, it just wasn't possible uh, to match up the times that Chris was available and I was available, so unfortunately we didn't uh, get to uh, record last weekend. So we've got a bit of a bumper amount of news to get through this week. Um, of course, the, the big news is the Leclerc Awards. Well done to all the finalists and, of course, all of the winners on the evening. As we've touched on, I was up for a, a category uh, Cruise Ambassador, uh, which I was a finalist of. There was three of us. Unfortunately, I didn't win, but congratulations to Robin, um, a fellow industry colleague who uh, did win on the evening um, and very much well-deserved as well. So well done to Robin. And, of course, to everybody else in all the different categories and everything that, uh, that uh, was available on the night. And it was a great night to uh, to catch up with everybody in the cruise industry, of course, from all over Australia, New Zealand, and even the, the wider Asia-Pacific region. But uh, we've got a few things to get through. First of all, thank you to everybody who's sending in the questions. We've got a bit of a backlog, actually, so apologies if your question hasn't been answered. Um, we're waiting on a few answers on some of them for official answers, because uh, I'm not 100% up speed on some of them. But um, yeah, do send them through. If you've got a question, send it in via the website, thebigcruisepodcast.com. In the top right-hand corner, join the show. And we'll do our best to, to weave those into the, the future episodes when we can. Um, and of course, if you are on a cruise and you are able to do a cruise review, we'd love to hear from you as well. We've had a couple of people mention that uh, they're heading off in a couple of weeks or so. So we'll, we'll do our best to weave those in um, again as well. But I think we probably need to get on to it. Uh, Chris is not in WA today. He is out and about. He's uh, got another opportunity to deliver his lectures on board a beautiful ship. So we'll be catching up with Chris after this thing. Enjoy the show. Subscribe now and rate and review on your favourite podcast platform. And it's always a favourite part of the show where we welcome our good friend and maritime historian, Chris Frame, who is currently on board... The Queen Mary 2. Hello, Baz. <laughs> hey, how are you? 
Good. Yes, we're on the Queen Mary 2. I'm hoping the internet connection will hold up. But um, she's back in Australian waters as part of her world cruise, which is the celebration of 100 years of Cunard World Cruising. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm on board doing doing a talk. So um, ship jumped, really, from Victoria across to Queen Mary 2. And, uh, yeah, it's really nice to be back on my... Uh, well, my, my favourite ocean liner, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and you're about halfway through your voyage. You're in Adelaide today, I believe. So uh, thanks for giving us the time to uh, to catch up. Oh, no, um, of course. Um, what's the, the vibe on, like on, on the World Cruise at the moment? Well, it's good, you know. I mean, Queen Mary 2's um, it's always had a, a really lovely vibe on board. It's got a, a great um, group of crew that many of whom have come back to the ship. So lots of familiar faces for if, if you've been a re return traveller. Um, the captain on board, um, Captain Andrew Hall, he's a long-time Cunard person. Uh, went up the ranks on, on Cunard and is now across here um, on Queen Mary 2. So he's a familiar face for lots of return travellers. Um, and they've got a pretty, pretty good uh, entertainment lineup as well. They've had uh, some fantastic um, uh, entertainment. We had, uh, listeners might remember from November um, on Queen Elizabeth, I, I chatted with a, a singer um, and instrumentalist called Amber Jade. And she's mm -hmm. been back on here, so she was doing some shows here, which were really well received, got a standing ovation, in fact. Um, but they've had uh, other like local talent on board the ship to sort of bring an Australian flair to to the world cruise. Um, and I think a lot of people are doing the whole world cruise. There's something like 900 or so that are going the whole way around. Um, and a lot of this is people who are who were interrupted in Fremantle in 2020 are basically trying to to finish the voyage that they started. So quite a lot of people are actually joining the ship in Sydney and also um, in Fremantle to, to do the last part of the world cruise because they didn't get a chance to um, when it all when it all shut down. So I think there's a like a lot of um, positivity around the fact that the ship is sailing and that things are things are looking good. Excellent. Now yeah. we have got an awful lot of uh, cruise news to get through this week. So oh, it's full we give, on. Look at this. <laughs> should we give maritime history a, a miss for this week and uh, get straight into the news? Yeah, I can't promise I won't go off on a tangent, Baz, but <laughs> we'll, we'll give the formal uh, segment a miss this week. And I think um, uh, listeners will re will realise. I think once we get through this uh, this uh, cruise news, just just why? Because there's so much stuff that's happening at the moment. Yep, exactly. Um, so we'll start off with the, the latest news that uh, this week, March the 15th, marked exactly a year uh, since the return of cruising to Australian waters. I know. Isn't that exciting? So we've uh, um, had uh, that cruise ban lifted. Well, it was lifted on March 15 last year, um, basically the government saying that they would not renew the um, national cruise ban, uh, which was part of those uh, restrictions on internationally flagged cruise ships coming into Australian waters. Um, so for a year, they've been able to come back. And as we know, of course, um, from our experience, the first locally based ship returned to service, uh, Pacific Explorer, back in May um, mm, yeah. of last year. So we're getting up to the anniversary of that as well, Baz. Yeah, exactly. Um, speaking of anniversaries, uh, our good friends at Costa, the Italian brand of uh, Carnival Corporation, of course, they're celebrating 75th they're celebrating their 75th anniversary. I had no idea, Chris. I know. They actually have got a long um, history. And in fact, um, Costa was uh, was a, a, a shipping line that traded under a different name when it first started services, which is why you might not um, uh, uh, okay. realize just how long it is. But yeah, their, their ship, the... Um, 
the Anna C, as what its name was. Uh, all of the ships had that C sort of suffix in them in those early days. Uh, and she set sail on the first voyage for Costa 75 years ago uh, this month. So uh, on the 31st of March, in fact. And it was a voyage that went from Geneva to Buenos Aires with 768 Ooh. passengers on board. Wow. Okay. Um, and as part of their 75th anniversary, they're offering uh, incredible rates um, on 75 different cruises. Um, mm. You can choose to cruise on Costa Esmeralda, Toscana, Diadema in the Western Med. Over in the Eastern Med, they've got Costa Delicioso, um, and then oh. uh, a nice itinerary on Costa Fortuna, which is a uh, 14-day mm. itinerary taking in Greek islands, the Balearic Islands, and uh, more of the Med as well. Um, so yeah. yeah, lots to choose from there. And you know what's really interesting? I, I, I said I, promise, I couldn't promise you I wouldn't do maritime history. <laughs> um, Costa's actually uh, had a lot of uh, sort of involvement in many of the other cruise lines when they were establishing because Costa would quite often lease some of their excess ships to other um, cruise lines uh, as they were starting to establish as well. So you have this kind of Costa um, connection with the formation of, of cruising many years after their first voyage, which is quite interesting. And it's just something we've been um, uh, researching and writing about for our, for our new book. So it's kind of popped into my head um, about that uh, connection with Costa and the cruise industry. Yeah, and it looks like they're continuing to do that today because, of course, Costa are uh, loaning or be gifting a, a couple of ships over to Carnival, which are going to be Costa by Carnival, of course, in North America. Yes, I know. And, uh, you know, we, we had that conversation where we were trying to work out exactly how that was going to work. And I put a put a message up about it on my um, YouTube channel. And I got uh, flooded with people from the U US market who, under who understood it a bit better than we, we did down here in Australia in okay. that it was going to be sort of like a hybrid marketing Costa by um, by carnival experience because that wasn't so clear on those original um, yeah. media releases. So it sounds like it's going to be the Costa ship with a bit of a carnival flair uh, built into it. So quite an interesting thing. It'd be, be interesting to see how that um, how that pans, pans out over the next 12 months. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, we've spoken about pickleball a couple of times in the, the last couple of podcasts. It seems to be the, the sport that a lot of cruise lines are trying to weave into their entertainment and activities mm. on board. And the latest cruise line is Celebrity. Yes, this is the uh, sport that doesn't quite know what it is. It's a hybrid of tennis, badminton, and ping pong. So it's uh, it's quite an interesting um, uh, interesting game, and it's got some some big uh, um, celebrity names and athletes that have sort of uh, endorsed it. I mean, you've got Nick Kyrgios and LeBron James, for example, um, and uh, Naomi Osaka, who who are known to to like uh, pickleball. Um, but yes, it's just been added to the ninth. I think it is ninth ship in the fleet, uh, which is Celebrity. Eclipse, and that one is currently in our part of the world. Baz, it's sailing in New Zealand and Australia. Mm, yeah, yeah. I'm just reading there that the Pickleball Australia Association, whoever knew that there was one, <laughs> has currently <laughs> got 5,000 members, and they estimate Ooh. about 15,000 Australians are currently playing the sport. Maybe you and I should um, give the game a go at some point, given its connection with cruising now, and we can then speak with it with a bit more authority. <laughs> I think I need to improve my fitness first, mate. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I don't know what, what combination, because if it's a combination of tennis, badminton, and ping pong, it could be lots of um, you know big rackets with uh, small uh, small balls and uh, standing still. You know, who knows? <laughs> maybe, we should just do, maybe we should just do a Google search and find out how it works. <laughs> now, uh, staying with Celebrity, um, I really like this news. They've launched a, uh, a social media content series called The Tangerine Table. 
they have it's a new um, series that they're doing uh, putting the the I guess the focus on um, a wide range of game changing leaders and crew members across its fleet um, to showcase their sort of the the real life person behind uh, the crew member that you see on board the ships Baz. Mm. So the first uh, episode, which is already out and available on uh, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn, uh, sees, of course, Captain Kate McHugh uh, join the table along with First Officer Elizabeth uh, Marami. Uh, she's Kenya's first female Marine pilot. Mm. And mm. Uh, also got uh, Jelena Vikulik, who's a Serb- Serbian-born wine expert that currently works on board. Um, and future episodes are going to be looking at uh, a whole range of different crew and cast members on board. So uh, mm. check it out. I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, their first episode that um, was launched was uh, uh, timed to coincide with International Women's Day. So it had a, a focus ah. on some of the groundbreaking women crew and um, officers on board the celebrity ships. Excellent. Love it. Uh, well done, Celebrity, for that one. Uh, moving over to Carnival next, uh, of course, there's a big movement of alcohol-free drinks, not only in mm. the cruise industry, but in, in life in general. Uh, Carnival is the latest to partner with a particular uh, distiller that's uh, arranging a whole array of craft alcohol-free cocktails. Yes, it's going to be a popular um, addition to the Carnival experience, I think. As you mentioned, there's been a sort of drive to have some more exciting um, alcohol-free drinks. And one of the wonderful things about uh, so many of the cocktails is the interesting blend of flavors. So it's great for people who don't want to have any alcohol in their drink to be able to experience those as well. So they're um, part of the Alchemy Bar, which they're having on board uh, the ships. And there's there's seven um, popular new cocktails that have been introduced that are getting some pretty good uh, feedback buzz mm. uh, martini seduction uh, spicy mm. chipotle pineapple martini the remedy hearts of fire restorative basil drop the perfect storm or the cucumber sunrise what do you reckon you'd go for oh gosh i'm looking at the ingredients here so you've got some some interesting ones martini seduction as red passion fruit fruit nectar uh, fresh lime juice a hint of orange it sounds pretty good um i think also that, i mean i don't know is, is it a good idea to have a drink called the perfect storm when you're on a cruise but <laughs> it sounds quite nice it's got some strawberry puree fresh lime some rosemary and and uh, um, instead of having vodka in it, it's got uh, Lies Dry London. So that should be quite interesting. Mm. They all sound pretty good. I think I'd go for the Hots of Fire. Uh, Hots of Fire. Oh, featuring a fresh thyme, raspberries, and, of course, that uh, Lies Dry London instead of gin this time. You can have a uh, listen to some John Farnham whilst you're having that drink there, Baz. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and uh, speaking with alternatives, Windstar have now introduced a whole new plant-based menu across the entire fleet. They have, and goodness, it's it's uh, great to see so many more of the cruise lines offering meat-free alternatives because there's you know so many different uh, things that can be created and um, offered for people who eat a vegetarian or a, ve- or a vegan um, lifestyle. So they've um, partnered with the National Health Association in creating this new uh, menu on board, which is uh, which is vegan friendly, but also obviously that would cover uh, vegetarian uh, eaters as well and people who just want to have a little bit less meat in their diet. So that um, covers things such as um, daily smoothies at breakfast. Um, they've got uh, other, other meals that are available throughout the, um, throughout the day. So they've got veggie enchiladas and chia seed truffles. Um, they've got uh, brownies that are made in an in, um, in a, in a animal uh, produce free way that come with fresh strawberries um roasted butternut squash uh, as part of their um menu offers offers there as well baz so there's quite a few things and some pasta um, dishes as well 
Yeah, yeah, that's quite a few to choose from. And interesting that um, I think this all started with a former open heart uh, recovery nurse who's turned travel advisor. She'd had some uh, groups that she was working with on Windstar who specifically requested um, plant-based menus. And from that, Windstar has evolved it to be available not only on, on her particular groups, but also um, um, across the fleet for the entire um, mm. season. Yeah, absolutely. Now, uh, Holland America have been in, in the news this week uh, quite a lot around the launch of a new category. Of course, Holland America is famous for its longer cruises, like uh, Kuno. They do do a world cruise, they do collectors' voyages, uh, grand voyages, and now they're also introducing uh, legendary voyages, which are, uh, I guess, collectors and uh, a little bit more. Yeah, you see, the thing is that Holland America's, um, as we've spoken about before, has a long and rich history, and it's. Its 150th anniversary um, is taking place at the moment. So the company is undertaking these these voyages, bringing them into their itineraries. And I think they kind of link that, um, that, that program of longer voyages that you were talking about, but also sort of pulling in um, sort of some of the grand voyages or the, the previous line voyages that the company used to do and re-engaging with that part of their heritage. So they've got things like mm. 28 days Arctic Circle cruises um, and majestic Japanese cruises, which are 53 days and take in a number of ports um, and 28 day um, voyages uh, around the Great Barrier Reef and through the coral triangle and volcanoes. So it's kind of linking in with those longer duration travel um, experiences that the ships were, were known for back in Holland America Line's heyday. Might be in a different part of the world, but it's kind of recreating that kind of line voyage experience. Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, particularly down here in Australia, that 28-day coral trial triangle volcanoes and Great Barrier Reef will be incredibly popular. Uh, there's a whole list of all of these uh, departures. Oh, gosh, there's so many. From 23 right through to 25. So take a look in the show notes if, if you want to have a look there. Another one that jumps out at me, of course, is the Amazon Explorer, which is a round mm. trip from Fort Lauderdale going all the way up the Amazon River. I was just about to say the same thing, actually, on board the Zandam. It looks fantastic. Um, they've also got an Australian circumnavigation. And I must say, again, another little maritime history note here, but it's so good to see some of the cruise, so many of the cruise lines reconnecting with their heritage uh, as the rebound of cruising occurs. Mm, absolutely. No, well done, Holland America. And uh, next, we've got a program release out from Fred Olsen. They've now unveiled their entire program through to 2425. Um, and uh, they've also introduced a new category of uh, cruise as well, Chris. Yeah, so they're going to be focusing on a, um, a whole heap of uh, voyages that allow passengers to interact with, the, or I guess observe firsthand, the native wildlife and, of course, the wonderful um, histories of these uh, species across the planet. So they've uh, got a number of cruises that they're uh, announcing. They, they have uh, opportunities to follow uh, nat natural bird migrations. They can also see um, meteor showers go to parts of the world where they're more often uh, experienced. Um, um, and and then, and also some cultural uh, links as well with the world's second largest carnival. Mm. Um, and they're also introducing eleven night mystery cruises for twenty twenty four as well, where uh, you basically have to guess where the the next port of call is because it's not published, and uh, the the whole entire uh, the whole itinerary is a, a complete mystery until uh, you get there. 
you know, this is another thing of like going back and looking back at what's happened in the past and trying to, re to recreate it, but with an interesting flair because back in the 90s, there used to be mystery cruises and also mystery flights and they were quite popular. Mm. And it's just such an exciting experience to go, I wonder where we're going to be going on this next place. What sort of delight might might um, yeah. might pop up? And, you know, one of the things that they, they are offering in terms of that, re uh, that connection with uh, the natural wonders of the world is one that really stands out to me. And that's a chance to spot wild polar bear uh, polar bears, rather, within the uh, especially planned scenic diversion away from the well-sailed route up in the polar bear region up in the north. So how exciting mm. would that be? And, of course, Fred Olsen, they, they sail from all the regional ports in the UK. It's not necessarily just Southampton. They've got Liverpool, Newcastle, um, Dover, Southampton, and Portsmouth for departures in 24-25. Yeah, it looks like the news from Fred Olsen's continuing as well, Baz, with an 82-night <laughs> discovery of Asia coming up. Mm. So it's another grand voyage, another line that uh, is uh, very popular in this uh, longer cruise sector. Mm. Um, and this includes the, the Holy Festival, of course. Now, this is on uh, Fred Olsen's Balmoral. Mm -hmm. um, she's going to feature in calls into Myanmar, Cambodia, um, and a whole heap of other places. But again, with a strong focus on wildlife, natural wonders, um, and at the moment, they are offering a little bonus. We don't often talk about uh, promotions and campaigns, but uh, they're offering mm -hmm. free door-to-door transfers on this uh, um, longer voyage if you live within 250 miles of the port. That's cool, and it's nice to see Balmoral getting this long duration voyage. She's uh, the the only one of the pre pandemic fleet that's left in service with Fred Olsen, but uh, a popular ship, a much loved ship with a great history and heritage of her own. Uh, and uh, to see her being able to be utilised, I mean, the ship's got a, a design that sort of uh, lends itself towards long duration uh, cruising as well. So it's great to see her being utilised for this particular um, uh, itinerary, which is a round trip from Southampton. Yeah, departing 18 January 2025, and all the ports are listed in the show notes. If that is appealing, then uh, take a little look in there. Now, we're just coming home briefly, Chris, to talk about Piano Australia. They have done their very first um, very first traineeship program with some mm. young students in the Canberra region. Yeah, so it was um, a partnership with Cruise Eden. Um, so two uh, school-based traineeships took place. It's uh, ultimately um, results in a certificate three of tourism, which is a, uh, I don't know how it is globally, but that's an Australian um, uh, sort of um, qualification level, certificate three, um, which is a great uh, way to sort of encourage young people to take, um, take, a, you know, take a training pathway that allows them to get into the tourism industry. Mm. I mistakenly said there that it was in Canberra. Of course, it's not, but Eden is the port of call that you can access for Canberra. Eden's yes. actually in, of course, New South Wales. Uh, but no, great news there. Well done, P&O. The, the, the sound of the ship's engine was um, uh, has just revved up because I think we we're going to start sailing in it not too soon, and I didn't pick up on the Canberra comment there, so I kind of just went with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've got a bit more news to get through, so we'll carry on. We've got news from NCL that have uh, announced they've got an expansion of their exotics. Of course, exotics meaning uh, Australia, New Zealand, uh, Asia, and of uh, the, the Pacific and Indian Oceans there. So we've got three yeah. ships in this part of the world, Chris, for 24-25. We do. How exciting. And after, I mean, I know the listeners will probably roll their eyes and go, not, you're not going to talk about it again, are you? But after my experience on Norwegian Spirit, I'm really excited by this, uh, this latest piece of news because uh, <laughs> we're not just having uh, Norwegian Spirit uh, in our part of the world, but also the Norwegian Sun and the Norwegian Sky, which is really exciting. Um, mm. Norwegian Sun's going to be uh, making maiden calls in a, a number of different places, including um, a call in Bahrain, but then we'll be making our way down to the sort of um, 
Asian region as well, which is exciting for her. Um, and Norwegian Sky will be undertaking a 16-day African sailing, uh, taking in the Seychelles, Kenya and Tanzania, uh, and then heading up to um, Dubai in the UAE, as well as um, making a call at Mauritius. Mm, beautiful itinerary, that one. Um, and then, of course, we've got uh, the two ships up in, in Asia. We've got Norwegian Sun and Norwegian Sky also offering uh, an eight-month season from October through to, October 24th through to May of 2025, taking in everything from Indonesia to Malaysia to Japan and uh, beyond. And, of course, not forgetting, yep. Spirit will be back in Australia for her, I think it's her third season that she'll be back for. Yay! Yes, absolutely. <laughs> She's coming back, and um, I mean, firstly, uh, in 2024, she'll be um, uh, then re-repos- repositioning from um, Australia to Asia for the Asian season, and then returning down down under, um, back down to Australia, which will be fantastic. Mm, great news. And actually, I haven't told you, I'm actually uh, heading over to Sydney in a couple of weeks' time, and I'm going to get a chance to have a walkover on Spirit, so be great oh, to good. see you as well, yeah. Yeah, you'll be um, be amazed, I'm sure, at how thoroughly that refurbishment transformed the ship. She really does look like a um, a new ship that was designed with the with the delightful features of a 1990s um, design. So it's it's mm-hmm. quite a nice little experience there. Awesome, looking forward to it. Um, next up in the news, we've got Sun Princess, uh, the new ship for uh, Princess Cruises. Of course, has hit a new milestone mm-hmm. this past week. Chris, what's been happening? Well, the ship's been floated out, Baz, which is a huge milestone in the construction of a ship. She's um, under construction at the Fincantieri shipyard in um, in Italy, which is uh, uh, where she's being built. And the floating out ceremony is where the ship's um, officially named by its madrina, which is the person who uh, is selected to, to name the ship. Uh, and uh, sort of be its godmother for the remainder of its, uh, of its time in service, Baz. Mm, and the madrina for this one is actually... Uh Princess Cruz's hotel general manager, Simona Stumberger, who's obviously had a, a life and a professional career at sea. So great to see her being honoured and with this uh, nice tradition there. As you say, some princess is the, the largest or will be the largest princess ship, uh, 4,300 guests, 175,000 tonnes. And uh, we're going to be talking about her a little bit more in the coming weeks, I'm sure, as uh, more and more information has dripped about her uh, public spaces and more. Yeah, she's going to be 175,000 tons and under construction, obviously, you get that remarkable um, experience of, of, of seeing the ship in the dry dock if you're, if you're working on it or building it. And I know uh, Princess has been sharing some images of the ship uh, recently from the dry dock. And I don't know about you, Baz, but it's one of the, the, the dreams that I've got uh, in, in my life is to stand at the bottom of the dry dock and look up at a, at a hull of a ship from that vantage point <laughs> of being right underneath it. So <laughs> maybe, fingers crossed, maybe one day we'll get that opportunity well you put it into the universe it can only come back at some point surely i mean yeah you've got to vocalize things sometimes right (laughs) (laughs) awesome now um this next bit of news i'm actually going to use it as my uh my whinge of the week uh, for one for better words losing my oh yes okay so Coonhard have invite have launched or are announcing that they're going to be launching silent discos, which is not a new thing. But what is what? So I mean, I'm going to sound really out of um, out of the loop here. But what on earth is a silent disco? So you wear a pair of cordless headphones, um, and there's generally two to four different channels on it, and there is a DJ playing four different tracks of music. So you could be listening to and maybe dancing to one particular tune, yet the person next to you is listening to a completely different song and having a completely different experience. 
Um, they are popular on some of the uh, more contemporary ships, but I just feel like Kunod's kind of lost the plot a little bit and not really recognizing its clientele. But I don't know. Maybe I don't know. I'm just I've seen a few things with Kunod that make me question. There's a current image of a, a bellboy with a pink inflatable flamingo walking. <laughs> <laughs> and I can honestly say I have never seen a pink plastic flamingo on a Cunard ship or any ship for that matter. So come on, just have a think uh, about what you do. I think that's the thing in general with advertising as well as like if you look at so many different brands at the moment, particularly travel brands, and you look at their advertising, uh, and I'm not just I'm not focusing on one particular brand, but like all advertising for airlines and for hotels and for mm-hmm. and for cruise ships and stuff. There are so many wonderful things that actually happen in the air, on the ship, at the hotel, at the resort, for real. And those are the sorts of things that I love to see um, showcased rather than, um, you know, photo ops, I suppose, is what you can say. Um, yeah. that's, just a, that's just an opinion across the board, not, not um, at one particular line, of course. But uh, <laughs> um, the idea of a silent disco, I don't know. If, you're, if, you, if you love silent discos, if you're an advocate of them, um, send us a message and let us know. But I... I to, I mean, it just goes to show how out of the loop I am because I honestly didn't think that this existed <laughs> and um, I can't for the life of me understand why anyone would do it. I've been but, taught and it's funny because you can stand at the side of the room and listen to the four different tracks and try and guess who's oh. dancing to what track because obviously oh, okay. it's very, very different music. You could take um, you could take bets. <laughs> <laughs> how about you? Have you got a win for the week? <laughs> mm, do I have a whinge for the week? Well, I mean, obviously I've been traveling quite a bit lately and I must just say that just across the board, my my biggest complaint is witnessing passengers and travelers being extremely rude to the crew. And I mean this in so much as if something goes wrong, on a ship or a flight or at a hotel, generally the person who's standing there taking the feedback isn't the person who made the mistake or made the thing go wrong. If an aircraft is delayed or diverted due to bad weather, the person at check-in isn't the one who made that airplane late. If a, a, a port, a port um, tender service is delayed or cancelled because the seas are too rough to get the tenders there. The people who made that decision did it with the person, passenger's best interest and heart. And the people who are standing at the gangway don't deserve to be yelled at and shouted at or abused or being told that it's um, absolutely unacceptable. And I, I must say, it's not just being in person, but if you scroll through the social media feeds, um, uh, the, the groups and the, the chatter about most of the airlines, cruise lines, that sort of thing. I understand people who pay good money for these experiences, but at the same time, this industry almost collapsed during COVID, right? Like what other industry had a situation where nothing operated for 18 months and they're back and they're operating ships again and they're trying to get crew back and they're doing their best. And so, yes, give your feedback, do it through the correct channels, but this whole like outrage kind of atmosphere where everything is just outrageous i do think it needs to be taken like just take a deep breath and (laughs) realize that we are in a situation where we're actually able to go back and do do things go on travel go experience things go on cruises there are so many people in this world who can't do what we're doing and we should Mm. all just be extremely grateful that we're in that small percentage of people who can experience this and yes there are things that need to get better across the board but shouting at the person at the door 
shouting at the person checking in your luggage is only going to ruin their day. It's not going to help solve the situation. Yeah, good, good, good words, good comments. That's Love mine. It. That's fair mine. enough. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we will so end that segment. Is, well, how about fact or fiction? Are you are you oh, ready yeah. for a, a fact or fiction? Fact or fiction. Okay, hit me with it. All right, fact or fiction. So um, the Orient Line was a shipping line that sailed from primarily from Great Britain to Australia, and in uh, 1918, it was um, a controlling stake, and it was required by P and O. Uh, and then, when the 19, in the 1960s, uh, P and O and Orient Line were merged to create P and O Orient Lines as the as the cruising division, um, passenger shipping division of the Peninsula Oriental Steam Navigation Company. Mm-hmm. The factual fiction is that there was a trophy that was used amongst the ships for the fastest crossing to Australia called the Golden Cockerel. Fiction. It's fact. (laughs) The Golden Cockerel. (laughs) So the Golden Cockerel is, interestingly enough, a... Um, in the shape of a cockerel, if you can believe it. Um, it started off with the Orient Line. So it was an Orient Line tradition. This this little um, token, it's sort of about, oh, I don't know, maybe the same height as an A4 piece of writing paper. Um, okay. And it's now it's mounted to sort of a, a staff so it can be kind of moved around um, the ship. And it was awarded to the ship that held the record as being the fastest ship in the Orient Line fleet. Now, its last Orient Line holder was the Oriana, which put it, was put into service in the, um, which was built in the late 1950s. And she was the fastest ship to, to run on the, on the service to Australia. When P&O and Orient's operations were merged, she held on to it um, as the fastest passenger ship that was, in fact, ever built for the Australian run. Um, very, very slightly slower than her was the Canberra. So when uh, Oriana retired in 1986. The the Golden Cockerel was passed on to the Canberra. When Canberra retired, it was passed on to the second Oriana, which was the 1995 oh. built ship, which was actually purposefully built very fast in order to allow the ship to transit the Bay of Biscay overnight and get people from Southampton to the Mediterranean quickly so they didn't have oh. much time in rough seas. Um, and then when Oriana herself was retired, it was passed on to the Aurora, which is currently the fastest ship in the P&O Cruises fleet. So um, there you have it. It stayed with P&O Cruises to this day. It's um, currently held by the P&O Cruises uh, UK division, but it would be It'd be fascinating to know what would happen if um, a P&O Australia ship was ever to to be a faster ship than what they've got in the UK, whether it would move across here. But it still exists, um, and it's um, it's located on board the, the board the Oriana. I'm sorry, on board the Aurora, and I believe they might even have it on display on board the ship. Ah, okay, sounds good. I'll have to get a picture and stick it in the show notes, maybe. Yeah, I actually, I, I might know someone who's got a picture, so I'll um I'll ask them if they can send it across and uh, stick it in the show notes for us. Sounds great. The Golden Cockerel. Let's, uh, the let's Golden Cockerel. Yep. <laughs> There's a bit of funny history everywhere. 
But um, <laughs> quite a cool that something that was started off just by sort of the crew on board the ship as a bit of a, um, like a little bit of a tradition, still exists and it still has that heritage. And in fact, um, to their credit, when Oriana was retired and um, P&O's um, or, uh, Aurora became the fastest ship in the in the fleet, they actually did mention it in the um, in the media that talked about um, about uh, that transfer of the Golden Crockle. Um, back when Oriana was retired. So it's nice that even the P&O Cruises is acknowledging it these days um, as a special part of their um, combined history, I suppose, with the Orient Line. Mm. Love it, love it. And of course, yeah. Chris, not forgetting you are on Cunard right now, the beautiful QM2. Are we likely to see any videos in the coming weeks? You are. So I have to apologize. I have been so slack with my YouTube for much too long in terms of recent content. Um, the last ability that I had really to focus on YouTube was with the Norwegian Spirit um, back in December because we've been in the final stages, the proofing stages of our new book and with the travel and that that work and that deadline, it really had to take priority. So um, that's all going to be um, finished in the next, uh, all things going well, <laughs> finished in the next few weeks. And so I actually going to, I'm going to have quite a, quite a busy few, few weeks after that in April and, and into May um, sharing some of these uh, latest videos. So there will be a, a tour of the Queen Mary 2. Um, I've got one on my YouTube channel at the moment, which is a bit out of date. It's um, handheld, sort of just wander around the ship, but I'm going to do a full proper tour of the ship with high, high def um, imagery and some fantastic um, views of the ship, uh, aerial views of the ship as well, which, um, which are going to be great, really, really exciting. Uh, and then we've also got um, the Queen Victoria. I don't actually even have a, a, a tour of the Queen Victoria on my oh, wow. YouTube channel. So that's all been filmed. and I just need to have time to put it together. Uh, and we'll be working a lot more also for the rest of the year uh, on on building up some interesting maritime information and facts from from cruising and from maritime history, the things that you see on the ships that you might not understand, things that have happened in history that might be a little bit quirky that people might not understand. We're going to start working on, on doing that a little bit like what we were doing um, throughout the pandemic, but just really needed to focus on on the book um, and getting it finished because that's it's a very it's very special this one and uh, we wanted to give it the uh, attention that it deserved. Mm. So when's this book going to be out? Are we going to be out in time for Christmas? It is. It's going to be out in November, so it'll be out in time for Christmas. You can actually pre-order it now if you if you feel so inclined um, to be one of the first people to have a have an order for it. So it will. Um, it's available on Amazon and all the other online online booksellers. You can pre-order it through you know um, Waterstones or um, Dimmix or whatever other bookshops um, you go to. They can they can put an order in for it. But it will be hitting the shelves in November, just in time uh, for the Christmas uh, period. And it's called the Evolution of the Passenger Ship. So it's. Um, it's quite a big topic, which is why I've been so distracted. <laughs> and I'm working on that one with Rochelle Cross once again. Excellent. Good news. Good collaboration. I will um, try and find the links to, uh, to a few of those sources and put them in the show notes so that people can uh, pre-order if they wish. Now, Chris, we've, uh, we've got 35, 36 minutes or so, and uh, the, uh, the public address system on board hasn't gone off yet, but I know you're probably very close to uh, departure time. So yeah. we should probably uh, wrap it up before we get interrupted. 
we probably should. I um, I can hear that the engines have uh, have, have revved up, but um, we're still here. No no PA and uh, Captain Hall, being a uh, a long time Cunard person, he always does a very uh, a very detailed um, public address about what's going to be happening with the ship. Um, we had this interesting situation yesterday, actually, where we were. Um, anchored off the coast of Kangaroo Island, uh, quite heavy winds. And yep. in order to retrieve the tender boats, we had to um, allow the ship to sort of rotate around to offer shelter for them on both sides of the ship. So it was quite an interesting little maneuver. And uh, mm. the captain explained quite well how it was all going to work. So when it was happening, people knew what was going on. And that was that was quite fun, actually. So it'd be interesting to see what he has to say about our sail away from Adelaide. But you can already see off the side of the ship the groups of people now crowding up on the um, on the shore. Adelaide always gives Queen Mary to a fantastic uh, farewell. And what I'll try and do, Baz, is I'll, I'll try and grab um, the audio of the whistle blast as we go, which, um, if oh, yeah. I'm successful, we can play right now. Awesome. Love it, Chris. Thank you very, very cool. much. Um, bon voyage. Enjoy the rest of your cruise. And uh, we will speak to Baron about the same time next week when you're back on, uh, back on land here in WA. Thanks. Sounds fantastic. Enjoy your week, everyone. That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.